Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features Rabbi David Levenkrus on Parashat Vayelech for Shabbat Shuva. We invite you to join us for the Shuva of our time, a pre-Yom Kippur day of learning with Pardes North America. This Yom Iyun will take place on September 12th and will begin at 11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. 8 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. To get more information and how to register, please visit pardes.org.il forward slash YK. And now, here is Rabbi David Levenkrus. Shabbat Shalom, everybody, and very, very good to be teaching you today. And there's a parlor game that's very, very popular. And that is to ask people who they would have for dinner if they could have a dinner with anybody in history. And I think Moses is a very, very popular one among certain people. Let's invite Moshe Rabbeinu, see what he would have to say and what he could teach us. And the truth of that is I would invite Moshe Rabbeinu too. I would love Moses to join me for a meal, maybe in the sukkah, as he is already an ushpiz, already one of the special guests. We invite in the sukkah, but I would invite somebody else, somebody who some might think is very different, and that is Rabbi Zera, a sage from the fourth century, estimated more or less. Um, I've never actually seen the two of them compared. This is my own idea, but I actually think these two people have a lot in common. So what we're going to do today is jump in and learn a little about Rabbi Zera, who is less known, but completely fascinating, and compare his life to Moshe and see where are their differences, where are their similarities, and where are their differences that are similarities or similarities that are differences. So let's just um, jump in. The first source suit that you have is from Baba Metziah from the Gemara, and it said that when Rabbi Zera went to Israel, he fasted a hundred fasts so that he could forget the Torah that he learned in Babylon. He didn't like their methodology and he would have a total, wanted a total new start when he got to Israel. So, of course, already here we see one enormous difference. A similarity is that they both wanted to go to Israel, but Rabbi Zera succeeded, whereas Moshe did not. And then it said about Rabbi Zera, he also fasted a hundred times that Rabbi Elazar shouldn't die, so that Rabbi Elazar could continue dealing with communal matters, and Rabbi Zera could spend his life learning Torah. And here again we see a similarity. Both of them did not want to take community positions. Both of them were reluctant leaders. And this, of course, is very important. There is a whole genre in Jewish and in secular thought of the reluctant leader being ironically actually the person who should be leading. And then he said, and yet another hundred, that the fire of Gehenna, the fire of hell, might not be powerless against him. And this is what he used to do. Every 30 days, he used to examine himself to see if he was fireproof. And I have to say, and we're going to see this um, with Rabbi Zemri, there's something a little arrogant I find about this also, like almost like he's trying to prove his, um, his greatness. But it's interesting that fire comes into his life and also into Moshe's life. He would heat the oven 
go up and sit in it. But the fire had no power against him. One day, however, the rabbis were envious upon him. And because of the rabbis' envy, they, his legs were singed, his legs were burnt. He was disabled. And remember, too, Moshe, too, had a speaking impediment. He also had a disability. And thereafter, he was called in the wonderful translation of Rabbi William Brodie, Scorchified Shorty, Katin Charich in Aramaic. But here we see fire and the effect of fire on Rabbi Zera's life. We see a person who is disabled. We see a person who doesn't want to be a leader, a person who wants to make a fresh start and really become um, part of the life in Eretz Israel. And um, if we jump to um, the fourth um, source sheet which we have, which is from Shmot Rabbah, an early rabbinic source, we see um, we see some of the echoes of what we saw previously with the story of Rabbi Zera. But one thing that I do want to point out also is that Moshe was destined for leadership. Moshe was chosen by God, whereas Rabbi Zera, in fasting and in acting, he actually made himself a leader. So there's another very important difference over there. One had, had leadership thrust upon them, and the other one actually made himself into a leader. I'm just thinking about it on the spot. I can't remember who it was said. He said that the three kinds of um, leaders, some are born leaders, some are made leaders, and some have leadership thrust upon them. And uh, Moshe was somebody who was made a leader, whereas um, by somebody else, by God, whereas Rabbi Zerah, he made himself into a leader, or at least into a sage. But let's look at the story that is told in Shemot Rabbah and see how it echoes some of the ideas we've spoken about. So they're talking about Moshe. Pharaoh's daughter used to kiss and hug him, loved him as if he were her own son, and would not allow him out of the royal palace. Very, very um, secluded existence. Because he was so handsome, as opposed to Rabbi Zera, who was seen by the rabbis as not being handsome, everyone was eager to see him, and whoever saw him could not tear themselves away from him. They just loved him so much. Pharaoh would kiss and hug him, and Moses as again would take the crown of Pharaoh and put it on his own head, which made the magicians very, very nervous, a little bit like the envious eyes of the rabbis against Rabbi Zera. And they said, there's a prophecy that he will, somebody will take the kingdom away from him. We're very nervous that it's Moshe. Some said to kill him, some said to burn him. Whatever it is, they wanted to get rid of him. But Yitro, who later on becomes Moshe's father-in-law, and I mean, this should be obvious to most people, but this is a midrash, this is not in the Torah, says to him, look, this boy doesn't know what he's doing. Let's test him. We'll put something gold on one hand and a live coal in the other. If he goes for the gold, then we know this is a bright boy. This is a bright boy, and you can go and slay him because no doubt he is going to take the throne away from Parol. But if he goes for the coal, it'll just show that he doesn't understand that he's a little baby playing and there's no reason to be scared of him. So they bring the things to him, and of course it's Moshe Rabbeinu, and he goes for the gold, 
Just as he does it, Angel Gabriel comes, pushes his hand aside. So instead of taking the gold, Moses takes the coal. He puts the coal in his mouth. And that's how we understand that Moshe was slow of speech and slow of tongue. So again, fire hurts Moshe the same way it hurts Rabbi Zerah. Um, and we see some, but we see very, very much somebody in this passage destined for leadership as opposed to Rabbi Zerah, who made himself a leader. How did these similarities and differences get expressed in everyday life or in life or in history? And also, I think a lot of it is going to help us understand tshuva, repentance, how we go about it, what are different kinds of leadership, um, what are um, and what are the ways and the skills that we need in order to become better people. So we read in the fifth section that you have over there, which is um, Yoma, from the Gemara, Yoma 87a. It says, when Rabbi Zeri had a complaint against anybody, he would pass by him in order for that person to be able to reconciliate with him. He would like, if he was annoyed at somebody, he wouldn't do it straight out. He would continually speak to the person and be in their presence in the hope that that person would maybe say to him, oh, I'm sorry about what I did, or let's speak about what happened. Again, I'm not sure the rabbis meant it this way, but the same way as I found him a little arrogant in the previous section, this seems a little bit passive-aggressive, like not really sharing what is on your mind, but I may be looking at it with 21st century glasses. Whatever it is, I think the rabbinic understanding was that he was a person who dealt with things kindly and um, in a nice way, and made it easier for people to repent. Whereas Moshe is the exact opposite. You see in number six, Tvarim, he says, even um, when I was alive here with you, you are rebelling against God. What will you do after I am dead? We see over here that um, that Moshe is, um, Moshe is, says what's on his mind. Rabbi Zeru wants other people to make the first move. Is waiting for the other person to speak to him, whereas Moshe is somebody who actually literally, and I actually using the word literally in its original sense, moves people. He takes people from A to B, and he does it by being very, very direct, as opposed to Rabbi Zera, who is much more, does things by Akifin um, in a less direct way. In the Yerushalmi, in the Jerusalem Talmud, in Brachot, we read another story about Rabbi Zera. It says, when Rabbi Zera fell down in burial ground, people came and they said to him, why did you faint? And he said, the thought that all of us are headed for this place. He's very, very aware of his mortality, that we're going to die. He's frightened for himself. He's frightened for other people. He cares what happens to them. Moshe is also, by the way, I think, fears death. He fears death for a different reasons. First of all, he's sorry that he himself will not out, will not go to Eretz I shouldn't say fear death. He's sorry about dying, but more than that, he's really, really worried what is going to happen to Am Yisrael. What will happen to the people after he's gone, after he's no longer there to keep them to the straight and narrow, what is going to happen um, to them? And we see a very, very interesting story. The last story we're going to look at 
which really illustrates um, the difference. Moshe is somebody who's tshuva medin, who is repentance because of law, because of justice. Whereas Rabbi Zeri is somebody who's tshuva ahava, who is repentance out of love. The famous story in the neighborhood of Rabbi Zeri, there lived some lawless men, some birionim, some people um, who bothered him, but um, he was never, nevertheless, um, friendly with them to, in order to encourage them to repent. But the rabbis were annoyed. They didn't like this. What are you, a nice from rabbi, hanging around with these hooligans for who are, um, um, who are bothering you? And then Rabbi Zaira died. And they say, until now, we had Rabbi Zaira to intercede for us. Until now, we had Rabbi Zaira to get mercy for us. And it's that point that they felt sorry and they repented. Very, very different story again from Moses, where it's a constant story of shouting at people, um, of trying to get them to do what they wanted to do. Both Moshe, Moshe and Rabbi Zeir have issues with speak. Moshe says he can't speak. Rabbi Zeir chooses not to speak. He doesn't directly confront these hooligans. He doesn't directly confront the people who um, have bothered him. Moses is a great communicator, but Rabbi Zeir understands human nature, that some of his people don't like to be shouted at, but need to do things softly and quietly through them um, through their selves. So I think we have two models of tshuva. Tshuva because somebody tells you to do it, and tshuva that comes out of love. I think we have two models of leadership. A leadership who is strident and strong and very, very clear versus a leader who's much more subtle, despite him trying to remit, forget the subtlety of the Babylonian learning system. I think Rabbi Zaira is very, very subtle um, himself. Um, versus somebody who is very, very straight. It's very, very common, especially in Jewish circles, to discuss which one is better, and usually love triumphs in the circles I'm in at any rate. But, um, and it's very, but it's very, very common to discuss which one is better, which one is the way that we should do tshuva. I really think what we have over here is two very different models. Moshe needed people to get from A to B. Moshe needed people to move. Some is in order to do that. One has to be direct. One has to step on people's toes. One has to sometimes alienate people or make them angry. Whereas in, um, in Rabbi Zeri's case, it was at different times, much, much later, there is an established Jewish world um, and he's much, much more able, I would say, in a sense, to have the luxury of being kind and good to people, of you, of going through a process, and I think I don't. Some of it may, and I think some of it has was because of his disability, because he understood what is going on with people. But I think a lot of it had to do with different circumstances. Moshe may not have been a great leader in fourth century Babylon or Eretz Israel. Rabbi Zerah may not have been able to get the people to move from Egypt to Eretz Israel. And I think for ourselves too, as we sit around in shul or around our lunch table, um, I think it's maybe important for us to look at certain 
character traits of ourselves, which we can learn to love and then um, work with and uh, maybe change, but all doing it with gentleness. And I think there are other things that sometimes one just has to go cold turkey and stop. I know it's very hard. It's easy for me to speak. It's much, much harder to do. Um, regardless, however, I think if on our metaphoric tables, on Sukkot or any other time, we can have Moshe Rabbeinu and Rabbi Zaira as guests, between the two of them, we will find inspiration to become the type of people we want to become. Shabbat Shalom and Shana Tovah. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. We invite you to join us for the tshuva of our time, a pre-Yom Kippur day of learning with Pardes North America. This Yom Iyun will take place on September 12th and will begin at 11 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. To get more information and how to register, please visit pardes.org.il forward slash YK. Be sure to tune in next week as we have a special podcast for Yom Kippur featuring Aviva Lauer. Thanks for listening.